everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I was on a flight recently and seated next to a doctor who told me he was an ER physician, an emergency room guy. And he started talking to me about the different things that he does and how intense it is. And then the conversation moved to freestanding trauma centers. You've probably seen them before. These emergency rooms, it seems they're everywhere these days. As I was thinking about that, I thought about the family because the family is a trauma center. The family is an emergency room. Think about it. When you see one of those freestanding trauma centers, you know, I mean, I know, we have confidence that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anybody in your family, in mine, any of our friends, if we have a medical emergency, can seek help and get help from a qualified staff who's there to take care of our medical emergencies. Isn't it great that we live in a culture, a nation that has a system like that? That's a, that's a, that's a great thing. The question is, where do you go, family member? Where do you go, mom, dad? Where do you go, adult child, for those non-medical emergencies? Wouldn't that be awesome if we had a freestanding ER available for the non-medical emergencies, those family issues in life? Wouldn't that be great? A shattered self-esteem, a collapsed confidence, you're dealing with fear, someone has betrayed you. You could just drive up and someone could heal those non-medical emergencies. We do have that. It's called the home. I'll say it again, our home is a trauma center. Our home is an ER. Our home is a hospital. As you think about your family of origin maybe, as you think about, maybe you're single, your future family. As you think about maybe your nuclear family with 2.5 kids. As you just take a panoramic view, a Google Earth view of your family, could you say, Ed, my family is a trauma center. My family is a place where we process one another's pain, issues, and difficulties. Is that true in your family? We're launching this series called Family Business. Thank you so much for being here. You know, 20,000 less people will be here this weekend than they were last weekend. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So please pray for me as I go through depression. That's just part of it. (laughs) But anyway, thank you for being here and thank you for the courage to to show up and go, you know what, I want to understand what the family is 
so I can have the information and the application to do what the family should do. Thank you for that. Because if, if, if you're here for the next four sessions, today your family is a trauma center. Next week, your family is a corporation. Who's the CEO? Who's the president? Who are the shareholders? That's next time. Then from there, the third session, we're talking about your home is a training center. It's a, it's a gymnasium. What, what, what kind of training is happening in your family? Then on Mother's Day weekend, we wrap this series up and we're calling it your home is a university. As you think about how God has moved in history, you can say, yeah, God has moved through nations. We understand that. God has moved through people groups. We would, would check that off. But the main way God moves is through the family. That's his main, that's his main agenda, the main thing. The family is not some product of evolution. It's not something that maybe an anthropologist said, oh, look, people groups, you have to have those to survive. No, no, no. It's much bigger. It's much deeper. It's much more all-encompassing than that. A family, a family is a divine institution. It's a divine design by God for the sole purposes of creating forever followers of Jesus. So it's a divine design, a, a, a God thing. And the purpose of the family is for those of us in the family to send out kids with great trajectory as they simply reproduce what they've seen in their family of origin. And hopefully and prayerfully, we're having kids reproduce the fact that the family is a trauma center. The first time I ever thought about my family being a trauma center, the first experience I ever had with that, I was thinking about that. It goes all the way back to my fifth grade year. My fifth grade year was very tumultuous because our family moved from a quaint, small town, very safe environment, a little elementary school that I attended where everybody knew everybody. We moved from there to a city. The school we attended in the middle of the year was a rough and tough wheels off school. It was like, it was like going from Mayberry to a maximum security prison. I'm talking like from Bach to rock or heavy metal or headbanger music. So in the middle of my fifth grade year, my brother, two years younger than me, he was in the third grade, we showed up at Lonnie B. Elementary School. I had on the goofiest outfit. I had these, had these striped pants on with white shoes. No wonder they picked on me. White shoes. And I was so excited I had the new school supplies. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to meet some new people. It's going to be amazing. They escort me to my fifth grade class. I met my teacher, Mrs. Blackwell. She said about 5'10 and weighed maybe, I don't know, 95 pounds. She had the worst coffee breath 
mixed with nicotine. I've, I, horrible. When she said, hi, Edwin, it was like, <laughs> So she escorted me into the class, and the class was going absolutely buck wild. She obviously had no control. So she said, Edwin, there's an empty desk right there. Just put your books there. That can be your desk. Yes, ma'am. Because I was trained to say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Found the seat, put my school supplies on the desk, was just sliding into the desk, and this kid walked up to me. He had bangs, you know, just like, Remember Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber Bangs? He kind of looked like that. He took my books in front of Mrs. Blackwell, threw them, bop, against the wall. I looked back at her like, okay, okay. She did absolutely nothing. I'm like, wow. Our elementary school was one of the few experimental schools back in this era where, where educators, well-meaning educators, thought that if you just allow complete and total freedom, that students could work and learn on their own. Well, <laughs> I'm ADD, ADHD, I'm sure, and I know I have processing disorders. It, 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 didn't, it, 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 didn't, it didn't sit well with me. That's another point. I was counting the minutes though. I was counting the minutes to recess. I thought if I could only make it to recess, I could meet some people, you know, I'm kind of an athletic guy and all that, so recess, recess, recess. Finally, recess. So I walk out to this playground, a dusty playground. I'm by myself, just looking around, you know, trying to meet some people. I see some kids. And I, I walk over and just kind of watch them. They're, they're kind of playing. In fact, they were playing marbles to show you how long ago it was. Marbles. Most kids are like, what? Well, just Google marbles. So playing marbles. And I, and I was watching them play marbles. And suddenly this big kid stood up. Curly hair. Steel blue eyes. He looked at me and he said, what in the blank are you looking at? you better get your blankety blank away or I'm going to kick the blank out of your blankety blank blank. This kid was big. I mean, I was big for my age. He was my, my size. And it was the first time I'd ever been cursed out. The first. There's been many others. But that was the first. And I, I didn't even know most of the words. I mean, I grew up in a preacher's home, you know, a little community. So I'm going, wow. So I'm just feeling so down and despondent. I'll never forget it. I walked to the edge of the playground, right where the dirt met the street. And, and I hate to confess, I started crying. And I walked on the edge of that playground, looking down at my white shoes for the next 30 minutes. Why did mom and dad move us here? Why are we living in this hellhole? Why? 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 
My mother picked us up. I was so happy to see her. She picked us up from school. She had a beautiful blue Impala. And I was so happy to see that car. I started sprinting to the car with tears streaming down my face. Mommy, you know, dove into the car. My brother dove into the car and mom turned around and said, how was school? <laughs> we just broke down. We couldn't take it anymore. We got home, hung out a little bit, watched some television. Mom prepared a meal, dad showed up. We had a family meal, which is huge. I encourage family meals. I didn't realize it at the time, but as mom and dad ask us questions, how did that make you feel, Ed? Ben, what, what's going on? Tell me about the school. As they were asking questions, they were allowing us to express how we felt they were doing CPR because of our broken hearts. And now looking back, I think, whoa! My home, my family of origin was a trauma center. It wasn't perfect. But it was a place where we could process pain. What happens if your family is not a trauma center? I'll tell you what happens. You know the stats. If you're a guy, if you're a man, you might throw yourself into achievement binges because you're not getting those emotional needs met. You're not getting the, 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 the pain processed. You might get involved in an illicit relationship. You could do a number of harmful things, uh, drugs, alcohol, so forth. And that's happening as we look in record numbers, is it not? On the other hand, how about the wife? How about the mom? When her needs are not getting met, when she's not being bandaged, what can happen? She can throw her life into the life of her kids, totally immerse herself in their activities, become the helicopter parent, or maybe she seeks another relationship. Maybe she hits the bottle. Maybe she takes pills. What happens when kids realize that their home is not a trauma center? What happens? Well, they turn to their peers who usually don't have the best answers to the questions of life. Don't you see the genius of God? God has given us this unit, this divine design to help us process the non-medical emergencies of life. So I want to just basically go through four things that you can do today, four decisions that you can make, four things that could be traits of your home if you decide, okay, okay, I want my home to be a trauma center. I want my home to be an ER. I want my home to be a hospital. For starters, number one, number one, we need to have 
a motivated staff. A motivated staff. A great hospital, a great trauma center has a qualified staff. They know what's going on. They get it. They're motivated. Now, what's the motivation for your family? It's a God motivation. It's a motivation for oneness. It's a motivation as parents to teach Deuteronomy 6, train Proverbs 22, verse 6, your children to Genesis 2, 24, leave. Spouses stay, kids leave. The great physician Jesus founded the family. And mom and dad, we are the chief physicians. They call Jesus the great physician in John chapter five. Jesus said in Mark 2, 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When it comes to a motivated staff, the prime time relationship is the relationship called marriage. Marriage is the only relationship analogous to God's relationship with his people. When you're talking about doctors, when you're talking about the chief surgeons or whatever you want to say, you have to present a unified front in the family. You've got to, because kids learn at surprisingly young ages, don't they, to play one against the other. And I've been in a lot of medical situations by being a pastor and certain family members and in certain situations that we've dealt with medically. And I've seen doctors, you know, kind of draw away, discuss the case, discuss the issues in private. Then they report back to, to us or whoever. Here is what the situation is. Here is what we're going to do. Doctors, great doctors have a calling, a motivation. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's about helping people. That's why we're here. But the number one, number one relationship is marriage. I remember recently I went through kind of a, a personal trauma. I had kind of a bad couple of days and I was like, man, this is, this is rough. Lisa discerned it. And as I checked myself into the young hospital, she took me out and we sat down and talked it through and discussed those issues. That's, that's what I'm talking about. How do you like this pocket squares? It's cool. I like it, man. Guys now are wearing pocket squares. Pocket squares are a trip. I mean, it's hard enough to tie a tie. Now they throw the pocket square in. How do you do these things? Well, this is a really cool pocket square because Lisa gave this to me. She wrote a love note and had it made on a pocket square. How cool is that? So it's always near and dear to my heart. It's right here. It's near and dear to my heart right here. Right. So, yeah, my heart is on the left side. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it because, uh, you know, complete vulnerability. Dearest Ed, the day you called my house and took my breath away was the beginning of the greatest adventure. You're the most important human in my life. 
You're my spiritual leader, my love, my favorite person on earth. I love you. Thank you for making my life amazing. I love you, Lisa. That, that means a lot. So if I'm feeling down, feeling blue, So goes the marriage, so goes the family, so goes the marriage, so goes the hospital. It starts with meeting needs there. You know, the Apostle Paul said something very radical. He said a lot of things radical, but in the book of Ephesians, if you do a Google Earth view of Ephesians, it gives us the priorities of the family. But one of the things he said is, he said that we're to submit ourselves one to another. So husbands are to submit to their wives where the wives are strong. Wives are to submit to the husbands where the husbands are strong. Also, too, there should be mutual submission in the family. Sometimes even the kids, yeah, they're patients in this hospital, but they also can become interns. They also can, can, can help as well. Remember, you're on the same team. Do you have a motivated staff? Have you ever said, okay, let's sit down and go through our mission statement. Why do we have this hospital? That would be some good homework. Do you have a family mission statement? And I'll talk more about that next time. Number two, after motivated staff, we need an educated approach. An educated approach. There's gotta be more information about the family available today than ever before. And I'm talking about great information. I'm talking about information from this book. Wise doctors are always involved in continuing education. Wise doctors are always going to seminars. They're staying up on the trends. They know the 411, and we should know the 411 so we don't have to call 911. Are you educated? Have you studied the family members? Do you know your family? How do you do that? It comes from spending Quantity time and quality time. And quality time emerges from quantity time. Now, we have to cheer though, listen to me carefully, we have to cheer spouses, work. Don't curse work. Oh, daddy's at work. He works too much. Oh, mommy's at work. She works too much. That's a bunch of crap. That's a bunch of millennial whiny crap. Because you can spend too much time with your family. You can, you can get too much oxygen. Oxygen is good for us, but if you have too much of it, it'll suffocate you. So, so we should cheer one another on. Wow, isn't it awesome that mom does this outside the home? For example, isn't this great that your dad works and provides as opposed to like, I wish you had another job where, where I mean, you know, you could just stay in your home office and be, no, 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 no. Come on now. Come on. We've got to be educated. I just think about the stuff that we have available at all of our different resources here at Fellowship. The shelves literally sag with all sorts of information. 
I've written three or four books myself just on the family. There's so many brilliant people talking about the family. But you go to the doctor, the doctor tells you, oh, you got this situation. What does a wise doctor say? Don't go online. I didn't know, don't go online. Because there's more crazy McCrays online writing crazy stuff about medical stuff than almost anything I've ever seen in my life. Listen to your doctor. Trust your doctor. We have to trust doctors. A doctor, we're sick for example, right? So prescription we can't read, we take it to a pharmacist we don't know and we swallow a pill that we don't understand. We trust our doctor. And it's great to ask questions to doctors. I'll ask questions, but are you really gonna understand everything? No, unless you go to medical school for about 11 years. Then I think, all right, all right, all right, I got it, I got it. Now, single parent families, what I'm talking about, you can apply to your life. You can go like, wow, okay, I, I get it because when you're a single parent, family member, let's say a single parent mom or dad, it's crucial that you still operate from the same page. But what's difficult for you is, maybe your child goes one weekend to one home and they have one set of values and comes to your home and you've got another set of values. That is tough. That's difficult. That's why you've got to make it count. And it's so, it's so challenging not to parent out of guilt when you have experienced a divorce. It's tough. I can't imagine it. So still draw those lines in the sand. Still say, you know what? We're going to have a motivated staff. We're going to be on the same page. You know what? We're going to be educated. We're going to be discerning. Think about bedtime, mealtime, and playtime. Those are huge times to, to listen and to deal with maybe a shattered self-esteem or maybe an underlying issue or problem causing another issue. Wise parents have to discern, don't we, between drama and trauma. I mean... drama. <laughs> then there's real trauma. We've got to discern. We ask God, Lord, give me discernment. And sometimes you got to let them talk because every feel, validate every feeling. You can't say, oh, you can't feel that. No, no. It's fine to validate every feeling. But remember too, feelings are different than facts. So what we must do is they give us the feelings, maybe the, the drama. We take it and go, okay, okay, okay. And then we can talk about the facts. So that's important that we, that we separate that. We have to spend, as I said earlier, quantity time and quality time. And one of the things that, that wise parents do, they collect knowledge. 
They collect knowledge. Technology, what the heck knowledge? I love technology. Technology is awesome. But, but we need to keep it as a tool. If it's not a tool, it can become a tail that wags the dog and the dog is a pit bull. During mealtimes, no technology. So collect knowledge. Have a certain time at night. I'm even talking to parents of teenagers. You turn the collect knowledge in and you collect it. You do. And, 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 you, and you have to you know, play this out and, and figure this out. Yeah, but what if they whine? What if they cry? What if they throw a fit? So? And a lot of us see, we don't want to crash through quitting points. So when we hear the drama, we're like, man, I don't even want to deal with that. Just go ahead. Here's the brand new iPhone. Just take it. Yeah, I'll buy you a car. I don't want to go through it. So we need to have discernment. We need to have a motivated staff. We need to have an educated approach. We need to distinguish between trauma and drama. I had the opportunity to, to play college basketball at Florida State. I got a full ride. And I got a full ride because I practiced a lot and you know, was a good player. Not a great player, a good player. When we had kids, it was very natural for us to play basketball. I had a, you know, basketball. Most of the homes that we've lived in have had little basketball goals, not all of them. Our kids started playing and the twins, you know, they're now 22, married, but the twins, you know, enjoyed basketball and they played some AAU basketball. They, they uh, played, they played uh, uh, for their school and, and they were pretty good. So I would tell them, I would go, hey, girls, it's great that, you know, you're playing basketball, but you need to practice. I mean, awesome, you're practicing at the school, but come home, take 20 minutes and work on that jump shot, work on the crossover, because you're not going to see the kind of time or the kind of results unless you practice. I was taking them home. They were in the ninth grade from basketball practice. And I could tell they were talking amongst themselves, you know. And Landra said, hey, Dad, Laurie and I have been talking. And we're just kind of tired of you trying to live your life through us. I said, Laurie and Landra, sorry. When I was in the ninth grade, I was 10 times better than you. I had college coaches talking to me in the ninth grade. So no, I'm not trying to live my life through you. So what happened? That's what I'm talking about. I was distinguishing between drama and trauma. That was not trauma, straight drama. Your staff, are they motivated? Your staff, are, you, are, they, are they educated? Are you educated, mom, dad? Get into a small group here. Take one of our parenting classes we're offering soon. Buy one of my books or buy another great book about parenting in our resource center. Listen to podcasts. I'm telling you, the family is set up for success. Number three, 
I got to hurry now. You have to have a dedicated plan, a dedicated plan. So yeah, you got to have a motivated staff and an educated approach, but a dedicated plan. What is your plan? What is your agenda? You know, it should be for wholeness and health. Any doctor, any nurse will tell you that. I mean, they, they, they want us to be healthy and whole. That's, that's, that's the deal. So for that to happen, we have to have a formulated agenda. Here is your steps to getting better. And here's what you have to do. But, but here's the thing. Parents, we all make mistakes. I've made many mistakes as a parent. You can, you know, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You have to make that decision. But I will say this. If you're paying for a roof over their head, clothes on their back, food on the table, as Joshua said about his family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, I had, I'll just admit it, I had a drug problem growing up. Many times my parents drug me to church week in and week out. There's no option. Can you realize, I mean, have you ever thought about this? What if, what if, you, what if you had a heart problem and you needed heart surgery? And, and what if, you know, this, this rock star surgeon, you know, is meeting with you and, and you're just about to go under anesthesia. And what if he said, hey, we're going to do something different with your heart surgery. I've just randomly chosen five of my patients and, and they're going to stand over there. They're going to scrub in. They're going to stand over there and they're going to vote on, on what I should do in this surgery. So really democracy rules. Anybody want any of that heart surgery? Yet, how are families run? Many times, let's vote. Where do y'all want to eat? Well, if we let the kids choose, we would eat at Chick-fil-A every single meal, except on Sundays because they're closed. It's the most immature people would run the show. Chaos, the inmates are running the asylum. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm getting to a mom, a single parent mom, a dad. I, I, I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and it can't be that way. We have to draw lines and there's gotta be consequences for the lines. Kids, even students, they're looking for lines. They want to know where the edge is. We're made for discipline. We're made for it. We're made for it. And we have to make the hard choices and do the hard yard. So don't vote. Mom and dad, you're in charge. You're in charge. I mean, yeah, there are times when we can do the buddy-buddy thing or the friendship thing, but we're, 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 we're the parents. We're parents, we're not peers. A motivated staff, an educated approach, a dedicated plan, and finally, a saturated system. A saturated system. God wants us to be saturated in his plan doing his family, his way. Lisa and I have unashamedly leaned into Fellowship Church 
our preschool ministry, our children's ministry, our student ministry, our small groups ministry, every ministry you can think of, we have leaned into that and fellowship has helped rear our kids. Our kids aren't perfect, but our kids love God, they love church, and they live an authentic life before the Lord. I've been married for 35 years, four adult children, a grandchild, a granddaughter on the way, and I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony that God's hospital plan, his ER plan works. Are you saturating yourself in this system? Well, just take again a step back. Think about the family. God divinely designed the family. Think about the things in our culture. Do they highlight and underscore the transcendent values given to us in the family? How about education? For the most part, no. There's some exceptions, I understand. For the most part, no. How about entertainment? No. Most shows, whether you're watching something, Netflix, YouTube, whatever, television, they make fun of the family. They, 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 they look at mom and dad and treat mom and dad like absolutely card-carrying idiots. The, the family has been tweaked and redefined and redesigned. It's, 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 it's a joke. And, and that's what the enemy see wants us to do. He, he wants us to laugh like, ah, that's so funny. We watch a modern family. Ah, that's so funny. Then one day we just accept it. That's just normal. No, that's abnormal. It's abnormal. You've got to be able to look at something to go, man, that's, that's ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper. So our government's not doing it either. I mean, some, but not really. You think the government really supports and underscores those transcendent values given to us by God himself? No. So I'm going to argue the only entity that supports these values the church, the church. So showing up, families, you know, once every six weeks ain't going to cut it. And there's no guilt trip. That's just the reality. I don't always want to go to church and I'm the pastor. But every time I go, I drive away from this place and go, God, thank you. I'm so glad I showed up. Now, here's what's so cute about this outline. A motivated staff, M, an educated approach, E, a dedicated plan, D, a saturated system, S, meds. Take your meds. One more final thought about the bully. His name was Billy Truesdale. After that little CPR meal that mom and dad had with Ben and I when we were in the fifth and third grades. Dad took me downstairs, strapped on the boxing gloves. He said, son, you have to defend yourself. 
you know, you have to go to the teachers, the faculty, whatever. You're going to have to defend yourself. And here's how to fight. Your grandfather, my father told me, was a boxer. So don't mess with me. He knocked out the guy that knocked out the world champion. So dad began to show me some basic moves. And he said, defend yourself. That whole year, I stayed away from that bully, Billy Truesdale. I wouldn't even make eye contact with him. I'll just be honest, I was scared. I'd never fought. The last day of school, you can't make this up. I'm walking down the hall, packed with people. He was in another fifth grade class. And I see my mother's blue Impala out there. I'm like, praise the Lord. And I was thinking, I've made it through the whole year. This guy was this mean without dealing with him. Who do you think was walking right toward me after the bell rung? Billy Truesdale. This dude was bad, man. I mean, if I remember him, curly blonde hair, blue eyes, all tatted up. <laughs> he was an MMA fighter. I said, no, 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 no. But he came at me and I was just walking and, and he just pushed me. Boom, I hit the wall, books fell. I had my head down. I wasn't wearing white shoes then. I changed to tennis shoes after the first, you know, debacle. So I picked up the books, took a step toward the car, and then I said, no, I'm not gonna live this way. I turned around and kicked his butt. I was even doing professional wrestling moves. Figure four, off the top rope. Oh, they took us to the principal's office. He was crying, <laughs> bloody nose. <laughs> we sat there. I told the principal what had happened. He said, great, good job. You can leave, Edwin. And I left. You know what, Billy Truesdale and I became good friends. We went to junior high and high school together. But he never messed with me again. Is your home a hospital? Is your home a trauma center? You can start today. You can start today. Because God wants us to carry, especially in the family, each other's burdens. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for the families here. I thank you for the boldness of families showing up here, Lord. You're such an awesome God. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your cleansing, for your power. We've all messed up as family members. I have. But God, by your grace and mercy, you've given us the strength to do it your way. And I thank you for bold families here who are doing it, who are in the trenches. I pray for the future families here. I pray for adult children here. I pray your blessing over every single parent over, over every divorce situation. God, we just want to do life your way. So Lord, we thank you for this amazing time. And we ask all these things in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ, our living Lord.
Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.